Beyond Film Podcast. Hello, peeps. Uh, Leif here. Um, on this podcast, I'm going to be talking to Will Klempner. He is uh, an actor, a podcaster, a writer. Um, he's a performer on many different levels. He's a, a presenter, a, a comedy improviser. I, I, I'm sure he does lots of other things. He's a very busy guy. Um, but I managed to get him for about an hour to talk about acting. And his, he's relatively new to acting. And I really wanted to know what kind of experience he's been having acting and, 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 and what he's been learning as he sort of enters that world. Um, he's a lovely guy. Uh, we talk about lots of different things. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. What is your actual surname? It's not it's Sebastian, right? Klempner. Klempner. My, my name is Will Sebastian Klempner. Will Sebastian Klempner. That, so my Sebastian is my middle name, but Sebastian is my, on my Instagram. Oh, you've made it very, very confusing for me. But it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> it does. It does because you've made it confusing for me. <laughs> Will Sebastian Klempner is my full name. Oh, but great! Just call me Will Klempner. Will Klempner. I don't know. Well, call me what you want. Obviously, that's how I I put your your name in the titles for the for the. I get called different things all the time. As in, people don't know whether my name's Will Sebastian or Will Clement. I quite like that. I'm an enigma. You're an enigma. <laughs> all right, that's another word for it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Will Sebastian Clement. How you doing? Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for coming down. Thanks for having um, me. So, you're also, um, you're also a podcaster yourself, aren't you? So this mm. probably seems really kind of a bit slapdash. No. In comparison. You talk about all sorts of things. Anything that's worth talking about, and it's called, uh, can, can we just ask? Can we just ask, yeah. So starting conversations that matter is the, the tagline. And actually, halfway through, I said to my partner, I wish we'd chosen conversations that didn't matter because it would be much easier. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Obviously, we have a great time doing it, and we, we, hold, we host panel discussions, and we have conversations about anything that the audience wants us to talk about. So it could be gender, activism, the environment feminism, which are all big subjects. Mm. And so before each episode, we do a lot of research. We don't want to go into it cold because these are things that really matter to people. So we, we do everything we can to facilitate a conversation that will allow people who don't necessarily have a knowledge about these specific things to sort of come from an entry-level position. Okay. So it's great. It is great. I, I'm only joking about wanting to do conversations that don't matter, but sometimes they are fun as well. That's, that's awesome. Have you done anything? Because... Um... A link was shared um, uh, to me by a, a colleague the other day about uh, mental health issues in film and television mm. with freelancers. Mm. I saw that the article on the on the, from a BBC producer. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, it's being talked about a lot more, and we've had, we have done stuff on mental health, not specifically in the media, but mm. I work in the media as well. So my actual job job is is in the media, mm-hmm. sort of film and TV. So I know how prevalent it is especially in the freelance creative side of it and the the conversation I think specifically about that doesn't happen enough and I was really happy to see that article Mm. and obviously it's such a pertinent time to be talking about it now because of what happened this weekend I don't know when this is going to go out but um that was the Love Island yeah Caroline Flack the, the terrible the terrible thing that happened and actually the whole Love Island show I think is a sort of highlights how they prey upon it I think they mm. prey upon that specific vulnerability of people who want to be in that part of the media. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we do we have had a lot of conversations about mental health, specifically men's mental health, actually, because um, 
I myself have had problems, struggled with my mental health occasionally, and I do a lot of what I can to work on it, work on myself. Mm. And I see the value in people talking about that, talking about what helps them, talking about what makes them feel sad, talking about what they find hard. Because if you see that someone else finds something hard, it can make you feel a little bit more okay with the fact that you do as well. Yeah, I think empathy is a very strong tool. Mm. <clears throat> and to be aware that you're not on your own as well. Um, I, I myself, I'm I doing um, CBT as well, just to sort of get over my mm. little quirks. <laughs> the best, best way to describe them. <laughs> um, and I'm getting better, so this is all good. Therapy, by the way, is, yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. I leave a therapy session and I feel so great. Mm. Also, as a someone who writes... Mm. I leave a therapy session and I have about 100 ideas of things to write. <laughs> Not yeah. that you should do therapy to get ideas. No, no, I don't think that's the, the best way to do it. But I actually find that writing is therapy as well mm. in itself. Mm. Um, I get a lot of pleasure from kind of delving into subjects that either interest me or things that I can definitely resonate. You write what you know, right? I just wrote a short script about something that happened to me as a child, uh, which when you read it is actually quite horrific but it's also very funny. Okay. <laughs> and I think looking back, I was like, that was the, a very obscure and, and, and quite a, a dramatic time in my life. But actually the whole scenario was just so bonkers mm. that you can't help but look back and just put a comic slant on it. Yeah. Well, that's what time allows you as well, because mm. I imagine you didn't find it funny at the time. But I kind of did as well. Did you? <laughs> okay. In a weird, sadistic way. Well, no, it, it, it takes all the boxes. Is that There's uh, domestic abuse, alcoholism and suicide. And... <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it's, it's just it's I can only think of it mm. in a comical way anyway enough about that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you do you do a lot of shit man and I'm I'm, I'm always uh, impressed the amount of stuff like how busy you always are and the amount of ground you cover creatively because I mean you're an actor mm. you're a podcaster mm. which we just talked about um, you're a filmmaker. I just saw some pictures on Instagram of you on a beach somewhere looks, looks yes yesterday great. actually that was me acting Oh, so, you to, oh, great! I was in a, in a short film from a director I know is doing a master's at the National Film and TV School. Great. And it's a great, really great little film, really, really well written. Hmm. But it was on the beach in Devon in the middle of Storm Dennis. And so it was a nightmare. Have you seen any of the rushes? No, no, because we, so we literally filmed, we actually, we had to get this shot. The tide came in way too quickly. And mm. so we had to wait about six hours until it went back out again. And then we had about half an hour of light left. Uh, and had to sort of squeeze in this, this, this shot right at the end because obviously we had to match the tide because we got one we had to get the reverse of the shot we got in the morning anyway it was a nightmare so pretty much uh, all, all your experiences at shooting film <clears throat> mine included are uh, usually just like trying to sort of battle against the elements the elements the odds and just yeah. things around you filmmaking is problem solving now it directing is. is problem solving that's all it is yeah it's just putting out fires trying to foresee problems yeah. Uh, when they arise, think on your feet, try to stay cool, don't shout at combine harvesters in the yeah. middle of any, nowhere. All of which you did excellently. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> and um, uh, to top it all off, you you present as well. Yeah. And you also are a comedy improviser. Yeah, it's tiring, mate. That that list you've just sent to me, it, it tires me out. I need to like, pick one thing, don't I? Just pick a job, man. Oh, no, I'm joking. Me, no, that's amazing. No, it's great. It's really cool that you, you just, you're not one to sort of sit on your ass and mm. wait for things to come to you. You're very proactive. Mm. 
I think it's it's a it's because I change my mind a lot, and maybe that's a, a struggle of being creative. Is I, I I need to stop lacking courage in my conviction and just sort of stick. I do a thing, and I'm like, okay, maybe I want to do something else now, and then I sort of move to something else, and then I jump back to the next thing, and it's great. I really enjoy being able to do all the, all of the different elements that you've just listed, but I think you are right. Maybe I do need to. <laughs> no, no, I'm only joking because you see that on like. <laughs> or somebody on like LinkedIn where they're like going, I'm a composer, writer, director, producer, casting agent. And you're like, do you do all of those well? Because it's anyway. No, but I, I think you say lack conviction. And it, to me, it reads as somebody who's got a lot of conviction and just can can uh, lend his hand to most things. Mm. That's how I see it. That's the external image. That's what Instagram will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get uh, I get a lot of people just going, wow, you seem so busy right now. Like all the stuff you're doing, it's I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all. Like you know, that's all in the bank for uh, my yeah. my online presence. You know, it's all a dance we do, really, isn't it? Let's all just post things and pretend we're all having a great time and doing all this stuff, when really we're just sat around waiting. It makes me not necessarily be a hundred percent myself mm. when I'm online. Yeah, but I know you, and you're perfect online. And uh, when I meet you, <laughs> and then you're fucking perfect when you meet. So yeah, that's worse. You're 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 a sickening man. I know you through your improv work. Mm. And that's how I was introduced to you. And we worked together on my short film, Satisfaction. I demand satisfaction. Well, if this blustering Northern Nancy demands bloodshed, then I'm happy to oblige. I'd imagine you've never actually seen war, have you? Well, I... I wonder you hold a musket like a syphilitic sugar stick. Am I right in assuming you are both happy to continue with the duel? Yes! We attacked it in a, a quite an interesting way in that I was always kind of upset about watching an amazing improvised skit mm. and then just thinking that was just pure genius and now it's just lost forever, which I think is a real shame. So when when you get those amazing sketches that are just written on the spot in the moment, it comes across as like, these guys must have sat around a table for a week, you know, throwing ideas around and, you know, really honed this in. I think that was just per perfect in every way. And you think that sort of lightning in a bottle and then it's just gone. So I kept seeing this with you and, and, and your, uh, what do you call them, teams, groups? Team. Uh, troops. Yeah, well, yeah, let's be really wanky about it. Improv troop. Improv yeah, troop. <laughs> team. Uh, <laughs> improv team. And I thought, actually, that would be really interesting and also make life a lot easier to actually write something based on that moment. And then that's what we did. What was the process? Because it was quite a different way of approaching the writing process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it for you? How did you um, find doing a few scenarios and then being given a script like uh, a few weeks later going, oh, is that what we did? <laughs> it was actually really enjoyable because like you say, with improv, you often leave, first of all, you often leave having no idea what happened. So you've, you've been on stage for 30 minutes and you know something's happened and you, you know, or at least you think you know that the people watching were laughing and you get off stage and you sort of go, wait, what was that? That was like a fleeting moment of something happened, something came through us all on stage and happened mm. and it was it was apparently quite good. So to, to, to do that and then for you to sort of write up the best bits, first of all, it's just a, quite a unique thing to happen anyway. So it was quite, it was, 
it was really interesting to see what got pulled from the stuff we were doing in the improv session and what sort of worked into the script and and actually that you know written things and improv and improvised things different things work because there's a when you're on a stage mm. and it's just in the moment something might work but if it was written it might not work quite as well so obviously you did a great job at then sort of picking the bits that would work and the bits that wouldn't work and it was great to see yeah. what you thought you took from the session that we did I think yeah and actually do you know what I, the session that we we did quite a long session didn't we it was like a, it was a few it was, it was a couple of hours yeah. and I think I just set up a camera in the corner and um you guys did like two or three it was the same scenario but different takes on that scenario yes and I had a lot of fun doing that mm. we had a lot of fun I remember some very weird things coming out that didn't make in which I'm glad because they were too weird <laughs> yeah I mean <clears throat> I think what I did is like whittle down those that those, those sessions that you did those, those the skits that you did and go okay what's practical what can we actually do mm. and that and that was kind of it really it was just like okay we've, we've got a day to shoot this mm. and that that was quite um optimistic in itself <laughs> um but you know it, it had to be sort of honed in yeah, well, they were like talking spiders and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you had all. That's the thing. That's what you. That's the thing with 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 improv on stage. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You can go really out there. Yeah, and you don't have to film it, so you don't have to make it look real. No. So we can use our hands to be flying spiders, and that's fine. Yeah. But if you'd filmed that, it would look like you were filming a bunch of maniacs. <laughs> Which kind of were really. Yeah. <laughs> the session was fun. You got the script back. I kind of took all the the aspects of the session that were doable mm. uh, we could actually film that weren't too crazy mm. crazy enough <laughs> to be interesting yeah and then i think we did we did about two or three rehearsals leading up to the shoot and we also shot a previs of one of those rehearsals mm. in the car park <laughs> below my flat <laughs> was that actually useful for you i found it really useful right well first of all it meant because we knew that the shoot day was going to be squeezed mm. it meant that at least we had it all sort of locked down in terms of what we were doing. And we weren't on the day fanning around, trying to get the right movements and blocking the scene and everything. Mm. So that in itself was useful. But also just to um, give us a bit of time to connect with the script a little bit more and to understand what you were thinking in terms of the way it was going to be shot. To see basically the film shot in your car park yeah. was really useful. Just because it gave us an idea of what you were thinking and what you were hoping it was going to come out like. And then I think that allowed us to, to sort of add a bit of nuance to the characters that um, hopefully then could come across in the way that you were going to shoot it. Why take turns? Uh, I'm not going to walk 20 paces. 10. 10 paces away from this madman, only to be shot like a sitting duck. Yes. I'll not have it. This jewel is off. It's ridiculous. If you call off this jewel, I'll shoot you where you stand. Oh, sir. you will, will you? I certainly will, you vile peacock of a man. I Same needed to make you. sure that everyone was Gentlemen, off book. Mm. I needed to make sure that it was a really good previous aid for cinematographer. Mm. And of course myself. Yeah. But I also needed to make sure... I, I, I was conflicted because I wanted to make sure that it, you didn't feel too honed in on what you needed to do. I didn't want it to be too constricting. I wanted you to... Mm. Even though he didn't have much time and things had to tick along and I needed to just mm. do it and be on it, which you were. At the same time, I kind of wanted you to be a bit free and, 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 and play with it on the day as well and not feel too... Yeah, I find that putting restrictions on the, the world in which you can be creative is really helpful. Because mm. if, you, if you leave everything open to any interpretation that it's impossible to choose yeah and a part of acting is sort of making it just making a choice yeah. and doing it yeah. and being like that's the choice that i'm making and if you have 
every possible choice available to you, it's hard to choose. You suddenly get paralysed by choice. Yeah. But with what you did, actually, it helped us uh, restrict that world. We knew, right, this is roughly the arena we have to play in mm. and now play within it. I think that was really useful. Yeah, which you did. <laughs> Definitely. Like, the, um, on, on the day, you, you, you brought new mm. nuances mm. to the performance, but... You know, like the, the script was solid. Like you were completely off book. Um, and it was great. Mm. If it wasn't for you guys being so well rehearsed, <laughs> yeah. we would have been scuppered for sure. I was surprised that you got us all to be off book. To be honest with you, I wasn't. I had every faith in you. Did you? Oh, yeah, no, for wow. sure. I think yourself and the rest of the cast were and are very um, professional, and I wasn't worried at all. Are we going to stand here and die of old age, or would you like to die like a gentleman in combat? He's a madman. I just put it down to his being from Hull. The performances weren't that much of an issue, and it probably seemed like I was quite hands-off on the day with, with, with the cast. Mm. But because I, you had it... Mm. You'd already I didn't been hands-on. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have much else to offer, really, other than just the bits of direction here and there, because you guys knew it you know, inside and out, mm. so and probably better than I did at that point. In fact, I think you did, like because... I'd written the script, yeah. but because I was thinking about so many other things, a lot of that I'd forgotten about Yeah. by the time we started shooting. And then you guys were like, no, it's Paige. I go, oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> and it seemed like I'd, I'd never seen the script before in my life. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, actually, and because and we, we, we sort of, we read, we did a few reads through the script before we did the rehearsals and stuff, which I guess also helped us have a bit of a, an input into that and learn it even better as a sort of well-rounded how it's ended up at this point. Mm. I think that was really useful as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with how it turned out. Mm. I'm happy with the performances. But um, I want to talk about your character as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of wrote the characters to try and fit... Well, not necessarily fit your personality, because <laughs> this right. is somebody who's... <laughs> well, what is Northern, right? <laughs> right, yeah, fine. <laughs> I mean, that's probably as far as it goes. But um, how did you, how did you uh, develop your character? It was quite a hard one, to be honest with you, because he... Um, Sergeant Joshua Crampton, he's quite um, upright and serious and he's a, a deadly killer and he doesn't really suffer fools. So it's you? He's me, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has no experience in the art of killing. He's nothing but a pompous bull calf endowed with self-importance and a weak chin. I was trying to find anything that I could within me to, to connect with it. There's there's a lot of my dad in him, actually. Okay. There's a lot, so that, you know... He was a ruthless killer. He, he killed people. <laughs> uh, he had duels with people on the regs. He was... But no, <laughs> there's just a sort of... Um, there's an anger in him that um, he feels like everyone is in his way. Mm. Um, everyone, like, the world is his, and if you cross his path and you don't get out of his way, he will challenge you to a duel or to, you know shout at you or tell you that you're doing it wrong. And everyone around him is tiresome to him because they're not being quick enough. They're not doing it the way he likes it. So there's elements of your dad in there. He's he's, he's a bit hot headed. Yeah, very hot headed. Right. And it, so the, the the difficulty, I guess, was finding the nuance and not just being angry the whole time. Mm. And it, and because just acting an angry person isn't necessarily um, an interesting character. Mm. So there, I was I was trying to find the good in him, which I would try and do with any character that I was doing. <laughs> And there was little good in him. Mm. I tried to. He obviously had his sister in there, and he treated her quite badly. But in my in my in my head, and as the character, you know, he he still loved his sister. There was still a bit of love in him. 
he just didn't necessarily show it very well. He'll rule the day, crossed Sergeant Joshua Crampton. You mark my words. Now, step aside, woman. You constantly overstep one's boundaries. Insufferable fuck. What was that? Good luck. It was his way of taking care and monitoring yeah. his sister. Yeah, he, which is obviously the he thought he was, you know, I'm the man, so I'm gonna look after you because you're my sister. But obviously, he did, he does it in a bad way. But there's, you know, I have you have to try and find a, the good in people. There is good in everyone. No one is like 100 percent pure evil, and every good instinct has been stripped away. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Hitler was an artist. Hitler, <laughs> I was actually, I was actually just about to say that. No, no, uh, no, Hitler. You see him like, you know, like kissing babies and doing all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I'm not sympathising with have Hitler. Sympathising. No, what I'm saying, the, the human condition is that yeah. you know whether whether your your affection and love and the, the goodness within you. Is can be quite warped in your world. It is a good part of you. Mm. So that there are subtle levels in lots of different people, right? Mm. I, I'm reading a very interesting book called The Science of Storytelling, mm. and he uh, talks about how the way that we see the world is built so that we can ha have some sort of control over our world. So our sort of the way of being of us now, we've sort mm. of developed through childhood, through being a teenager, through our twenties. And it exists because we are just trying to put our own order onto the world that we that we come across. And so everyone comes from the same place. Mm. And everyone has ended up in where they are because initially through innocence and then whatever's happened, the, their life, their social circumstances, everything. Sort of and... Yeah, that's all contributed to what's happened. So there is fundamentally at the core a human within everyone. You've just got to find it. So there was in your character. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I played it with that in mind, mm. I think. It was hard to delve too deep into the characters because it's a comedy. Yeah. So there's room for gags. Yeah. We, we covered a lot of ground in a short space of time. That kind of gets stripped away a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what else have you got coming up, dude? Acting. So tell me more about. Can you tell me much about this other this this short? What yeah, kind of character were you playing? Well, I was playing a a lone world traveller. He's a surfer, and he's basically the the guy who steals a girl at the end of the film. But again, he, he's actually he's more of a, a rescuer rather than a than a non-rescuer. So there's a, there's a, a, a couple, and uh, this girl's moved from Australia to England to be with this guy because they met travelling and they're in love initially. But then the guy starts gaslighting her a little bit, and the, you see this relationship break down. And the guy then starts to talk talking to other girls in front of her, and and it it gets quite intense and emotional. And Mason, my character, is always just sort of there as the the nice guy. The sh showing that there is humanity in in men, and then at the end, she sort of comes to me for she she comes to me, I guess, just to get away from him more mm. than anything. So it's not it's sort of left ambiguous. She gets I was about to say she gets into my van, but <laughs> wow, but you're you're a surfer dude, so you get yeah, like a, just a my VW van, van. Yeah, yeah. That to me doesn't seem like that seems less of a stretch. Yeah, in terms of character. <laughs> yes, uh, I, yeah. Although I can't surf. So that's, you look yeah, like you can. Though. Know, that's what. That's why. That's what everyone said. You, they were like, "You look like such a surfer." I was like, "You should see me stand on a surfboard. You change your mind very quickly." <laughs> it's a really nicely written script. It's, a, it's kind of a drama, really sort of true to life, real relationships and stuff. And yeah, it was quite an easy character to to get into character for. I was kind of just playing myself. There must have been some uh, in the in the eye of Storm Dennis. There must have been like some epic shots. <laughs> I, I hope so, yeah. There was two great um, actors, two uh, women who came, 
just to be in one scene. But really important characters because the guy the guy runs away and flirts with them in front of his girlfriend. Right. And these two these two women came down for like two hours to get to Devon and they stood, they put their wetsuits on, took their shoes off, stood on the beach. The camera started rolling and the biggest storm and like chunk of rain came down and just pelted them for about three hours and they still had to they had to shoot it then so they were just there shooting the scene over and over again hoping for the rain to stop it didn't stop so they've just had to do the scene in the rain and then they just came in got dry and went home <laughs> it's just like wow but, like the commitment was great but um yeah storm dennis is not a, a, a kind person to be filming in <laughs> yeah to be fair though it's more of an experience than you know you're on uh, on set mm. and you know you're kind of just waiting around for <clears throat> you know god knows how many hours to do a scene it can be quite boring sometimes so you're not that at least there's some sort of excitement to that you know yeah it's, and it, and it was a beautiful setting. I was there was a lot of sitting around, mm. which which they there is anyway in a lot of, yeah. in a lot of um, films. You know, I wasn't complaining. I was sat in a nice cafe on a beach in Devon, yeah. just in the warm while everyone else was running around in the rain. So, <laughs> so I mean, you've worked with a, a few directors now, and what do you look for, like as as um, someone who's relatively new to acting? Mm. What is it that you've found that you need? from a director the restraints on the creative world that you're playing in are really useful mm. so not nothing too strict but just to know what the director what the rough the world we're playing in the world this character is playing in and and how far you can push that because I would like to try and push it as much as possible but you don't want to go way too far in the director's being like, when you say push it in, in what way coming from an improv world on stage you you go over the top and especially in improv, the comedy comes from being over the top. So I would rather be as big of this character as possible and then rein it in until it's right rather than start timidly and sort of grow. And I, I appreciate that might not be great for certain roles. And so when I encounter a role that needs the other way around, I'm sure I'll do it that way. But so just to know the the limits, what that director's limits are. Yeah. And also, do you know what? The thing that really... Having worked with you and Margarita, who I worked with yesterday, just to see a love for the, the film that you're making, okay. and to see why what it is that why it is you you're making this film, what it is that you're loving about this film, that for me as an actor is really inspiring. Just to be like, okay, I can really get on board with that, and I really want to be part of that, and I want to um, work with you because this is a project you're really passionate about. I feel like if if there's a director who's sort of you don't you're not quite feeling passionate about it, or you're doing it for the wrong reasons, or that really will shine through. It's funny, that was our first episode, was a passion. Mm. Was a subject. I don't know if you listened to it or not. Mm, yeah, I did, with um, Craig. Craig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that is really important. Mm. And it is to me, but I've also been on, you know, I've been on shoots that I'm not directing and there has been a lack of passion. Mm. And that kind of, as, as infectious as it is, when you're when you're passionate, mm. it's just as infectious when you're not. You yeah, know? yeah. It oh, it's really, draining. It's draining, yeah. Mm. So you want passion from a director? Passion and but a, a bit of freedom. You know, I think you don't want someone to be breathing down your neck the whole time and they have to be vulnerable with what they're doing and appreciate the roles that everyone's playing and, and take on board advice to a level. Mm -hmm. you, you obviously need the director to be in control of their vision, but I, th I think collaboration is so valuable. And I think some of the best films that have been made have come out of collaboration and a little bit of improv. In, like some of the best scenes have had a, a touch of improv and then that's been incorporated into the scene and become the biggest moments of film. Yeah. Um, 
So restrictions of the world, but nothing too rigid to allow everyone on set's creativity to come through. Because otherwise, what's the point? You've just got puppets, really, mm. haven't you? And I think there's. I would much prefer to be on a creative project where people aren't puppets, people are themselves. I've seen a director like literally pick people up, move them around like they're bits of furniture. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, it's probably not the best. It's not a very human approach and everyone is valid, mm. generally. Mm. Um, you don't just pick people up and move them around. Everyone's <laughs> a person. And just, you know, like, as if they're like mannequins, you know. Yeah. Um, that's one thing, yeah. Like, so be passionate, be, you know, but there's there's a respect for um, the process and to mm. be able, be open to collaborate as well mm. and give room for that as well. Mm. Give people that space. Mm. I suppose, reminded yesterday, Francis Ford Coppola, he gets the scene done and then he get, gets everyone to act it out again right. without talking. Okay. So they will say the lines, but they'll say it completely mute. Well, they won't, they won't mouth it. They'll just say, they'll just look at in each heads. other. Yeah, yeah. And then it gives him this sort of freedom in the edit to go. Actually, he said everything that needs to be said in that look. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna use that. Wow, <laughs> that's so great. I mean, that's one very unique way of doing it that sounds I mean that sounds great and actually if something can be said in as few words as possible then it should be shouldn't it that's the whole point of film it's visual so if something can be said in a look Mm. then why are they saying it why aren't they doing it as a look well that's what happened in Drive isn't it when they made Drive there was so much more dialogue Mm. between uh, the the love interests and and they were like I don't think we'd say all this And it just, I think it would literally just be a look down the corridor, yeah. you know, and they made huge, like, like just cross through loads of dialogue in the script and it's all the better for it. Well, yeah, totally. Every filmmaker can uh, learn from that, I think. Mm. And maybe that's, that's that sort of quirky practice that Francis Ford Coppola is doing is something that p- more people should be doing. Well, I mean, when you've got the time to play. <laughs> yes, exactly. When you are Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, you can afford to do that. Yeah. And you're not going, right, OK, we've got to get this done because before you know Storm Dennis hits or, you know, before the, we lose light or, you know, we've, we've got loads more scenes to do. It becomes a luxury. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I've worked with talent and they want to try new things and I have to be the person to say I would like to do that too mm. but we simply can't yeah and thanks for reminding me that <laughs> do you know what I mean it's almost like it's almost like pouring salt onto the wound it's yeah. like we have to move on I've yeah. got a, an AD saying like this is the last got to be the last take we've got to make sure and they're going can we do that I'm like I really I, I want to but I, I simply can't yeah and there has to be a trust in from the actors in the script and in the scriptwriter and in the director, because you'd hope that by the time you've got to filming it, it's mm. been workshopped, it's been edited, it's been uh, worked on enough so that at least the the writer is confident that what is being said is is. Yeah, you think, but I think it's more common practice for actually actors to actually meet each other on the day of shooting as mm. well. Well, yeah. Which you know, fine, but it's not it's not ideal. Uh, Mike Lee, he does a lot of rehearsal. Right. The actors spend a lot of time before they even shoot. Yeah. That's just his process. But it's also again, that's a luxury as well. When are you gonna make sure that you've got like a whole month with Jim Broadbent? You know? Well, yeah. But that's I mean, like nineteen seventeen, who obviously rehearsed for six months before they before they shot it. And obviously, granted, it's because they were trying to do it in one shot. But hmm. it's very rare that you'll have six months with this cast and this crew and that you can 
fully rehearse it so you know it inside out. Well, the protagonists are aren't as big Relative as like the, unknowns, as yeah. the sort of the big cameos that yeah. sort of they passed. You know, that's true. Maybe that's why because <laughs> they couldn't I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I found it I found it good that they were sort of relative unknowns because I thought that was kind of the point because mm. it was relative unknowns from the army sort of being sent on this this mission. I thought it really benefited from it not being Richard Madden who was playing the the lead or you know. So I thought that was. It'd be well very distracting. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, he's just another soldier, isn't he? He's supposed to, that's that's what he's supposed to be. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is amazing. I I I love that film because it reminded me of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Why? Why did it? Just because of the sort of characters that come in and the yeah, it's this journey. journey. For the most part, he's on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, he starts sat under a tree. Yes, yeah, true. And then it ends. ends under a tree. Yeah. Uh, he comes across all these different characters. Like I say, um, there's the, the scene where he, got, uh, he gets swept away in the water mm-hmm. and then kind of bobs up. And there's also I'm, I'm talking about the Disney um, yeah, yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Where he can hear the singing in 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 the woods, yes, and then sort of drawn towards it, which is what happens in. Uh, Alice maybe, Wonderland yeah, well. maybe Sam Mendes had Alice in Wonderland in his mind when he was. Yeah, every time I bring it up, everyone thinks like way over, overthinking it way too much. <laughs> but I do think there's some parallels for sure. I'm I can't believe that you watching that and you were thinking about Alice in Wonderland to be honest with you I don't know that's very strange that that came to your head it is actually one of my favourite films is it? is it? yeah I had a world of my own everything would be nonsense nothing would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't and contrarywise what it is it wouldn't be and what it wouldn't be it would you see? Ow. I'm not really into Disney cartoons. No. But that one really, uh, really stands out to me. But I think they're great. They're really well written. Hmm. They, they, the story that they're telling is great, especially for the target audience. I yeah. think they're phenomenal. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> the, the first film I remember going to watch at the cinema was Bambi. <laughs> oh, that's intense. Yeah. But Did you I, cry? I don't know. I think I was just mildly upset. Yeah. And I liked Thumper. Mm. And I think I was more taken by the cinema itself. Okay. Because it was an old, like, proper theatre. Like, proper old pictures, like a a listed building. About 50 years ago, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I still call call the cinema the pictures. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, in terms of your acting, just to wrap up as well, Mm. we've talked about your career so far as an actor. Yeah. Where do you want it to develop and what would you like to do? Oh, in terms of acting? Yeah. That is a hard question. Currently, I'm pursuing writing a lot more. I find a real joy in writing. But then I say that and every time I've I've done acting and been on set, I've, I've really, really loved it and thought, oh, I want to do more of that. It's sort of a hard thing to pursue, I think, because it's... Uh, it can leave you being quite vulnerable, but it's also quite hard to find roles that um, are that you believe in and scripts that are great that you want to work with and directors that you want to work with. I'm sure there's there's probably lots of of little of short films and stuff that um, could be an option, but you want to find the right sort of thing. Mm. I think so. You know, there's a few there's a few writers and directors that I have worked with as a writer who I, I always sort of just let them know that I do a little bit of acting and nice. I, that I do improv. And actually, I'm really focusing on the stage stuff at the moment. So obviously, we do I do improv and we, we perform every week usually and we're, we're looking at some maybe Camden Fringe and then Edinburgh the year after. So that's stage. I have a real love for stuff on stage. 
because you can be over the top. Mm. In a lot of my life, I'm not over the top. I'm a little bit introverted. So as soon as I get the opportunity to be on stage and, and properly dive into the dramatics and the theatricality, yeah. I relish it because it's a release. That's interesting because I actually find that a lot of actors do confess to being quite introvert mm. and in day-to-day kind of struggle mm. on some degree. Um, but once they're on stage mainly stage, mm. it gives them license to not be that person yeah. and it, it legitimizes their kind of release. Yeah. Do you find that with do you find that with film though? Because that's a totally different setting. Like it's 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 a weird yeah. situation to be in. It feels like there's so much more pressure and scrutiny on you in the tiny, tiniest little moments and movements in screen in film stuff. Again, I like every time I've done it, I've I've really, really loved it. It's a lot more real. Everyone knows this. It's you know, you know, tiny, tiny movements are really important and the way that you even the small angle that you hold your face and the movements of your eyes are really important. And it's it's really about connecting with the material and the person you're playing in front of and and a sort of emotional intelligence to the role that you're playing. Yeah. Because the stage stuff I do is, is sort of comedy. There's less of a, an emotional connection with what it is, and it's more like what might draw a reaction from the crowd, what might um, what movement might be funny, you know, John Cleese, silly walks sort of style of mm. movement. Um, and so the film stuff, I actually do find it a release because what I really like about it is allowing myself to connect to emotions that I don't necessarily connect to all the time in real life. And express those emotions in a way that is within me because you're still playing... You've got to bring an element of you to whatever character you're playing. Mm. But in a way that is framed from your character's point of view rather than from your point of view. And I think I find that really, really valuable and really enjoyable. I feel really bad now because I feel like I really constricted your... (laughs) Your character is very very staunch, rigid. It was very much in the close-ups that... Like you had time. In improv, I usually play a bad guy. Mm. I, I, I quite enjoy playing a bad guy. It's because you're tall and I guess it's <laughs> intimidating. intimidating and domineering on, on, That's why on you stage. That's on the floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and in, in terms of like the, especially with comedy and the, the more physical stuff and being big, I mean, that has its place in film, obviously. I just went to see Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Did you? To <laughs> see uh, I Jim it. Carrey. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's just Jim Carrey, you know. As um, Robotnik. Is he Robotnik? Uh, he's Robotnik, yeah. 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 And um, he. Uh, he, I saw an interview with him, and he said like the direction on the uh, on on the script was basically was like Robotnik in spaceship or whatever he's in. It was just that was it, and it was just basically go because what Jim Carrey will just fill that in on the day. He'll just do his thing. So I think they just went like let's just give him. We know what we're working with. We can't really give him lots of direction. Yeah, because we just know that we just need to sort of wind him up and let him go. And that's smart directing and smart writing, isn't it? You yeah. know, you know who, who's playing the character. You don't need to tie them down and like weigh down their creativity. Just sort of wind up the jack in the box and watch him spring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I guess it's knowing what you're working with as well. Mm. Um, and I tried my best to sort of write to everyone's strengths. There wasn't not there wasn't a lot of physicality. No. In, in, but everyone's very prim and proper anyway, so that it it kind of makes sense. Yes. And do you know what? In in the posture. There's a lot of physicality. Mm. We weren't playing your everyday... We weren't playing a kitchen sink drama. You know, we weren't just sort of a man in a, in, in his house. Yeah. It was... You know, I was playing a sergeant. I was... There was... There's gun work. I rarely stand with one hand behind my back and a, a gun pointing at someone. And even that is, is quite an enjoyable... Like, 
physicality to the character that you don't normally get to play. Gentlemen, prepare yourselves. I'm not sure about this, Humphreys. A little too late now, sir. You're damn right. Yeah, you guys did really well with the, the firing of the muskets as well because they were blank firing muskets. Mm. Um, and they do sort of like flare up. Yes, um, they do. <laughs> they're quite scary. <laughs> yeah. But you guys, I mean, I know actors who you know have to go on course. We didn't go on a course of how to how to fire a gun. We had a bit of an introductory session from the the gun handler on the day, didn't we? Very mm. small one. You did a good job of uh, actually firing the gun without without blinking or pulling yes. your face. Because yeah. if you did, that wouldn't be believable of somebody who has seen battle who's a killer, who's a killer yeah. and does duels for fun yeah. whereas the other character well, uh, played uh, it didn't matter about him because he was he was just a big wet lettuce so the more facial expressions the better yeah yeah um, but I was a bit worried on the day because obviously it was so humid on the day mm. that it wasn't firing off because you know the the the, the gunpowder wasn't taking. Yeah. Um, but yeah when, once it finally did I think did it fire on yours? It fired I think it fired on like the second or third go mm. And actually, it was initially hard to tell whether it fired or not because there was still a spark yeah. when it didn't fire. But then as soon as it fired, I knew it fired. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, a sort of mini explosion. Not an explosion, but it, what is it? It's sort of just a... A flare. A flarey sort of thing right by my hand. Yeah. So you know that it's happened. I also remember because we then had to shoot being shot. Mm. And you, you sort of wanted my character to shout out in in agony and pain and film me in slow motion. So we filmed that a few, quite a few times, me jumping on the floor, having been shot, shouting "bastard," <laughs> <laughs> just for of, your pleasure. I well, think. no, one of my references was uh, was um, Sean Bean and Sharp, yeah. which I watched a lot of after Dude, you, after you, you said that. You bastard. <laughs> so yeah, I remember we shooting me uh, shooting me being shot yeah. about. Five times, which was just me jumping backwards onto the back, you, my back shouting, bastard. With no mat. <laughs> with no mat. Straight onto the ground. Yeah. So you, and you, you just flung yourself into the air, which was great. You've got to commit. You did. You all did. <laughs> it was great. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it there. Thank you so much right. for coming over, dude. I really appreciate it. I know you've got a busy day. No um, really good to, to talk to you and uh, have a chance to talk about satisfaction as mm. well. And uh, yeah, have a good day, dude. You too. Thanks for having me. Take care. Will Sebastian Kleipner, everyone. He um, is, is a lovely chap, uh, very, very attractive young gentleman, and he is a very good actor as well, very committed, and is very enthusiastic, and I think that's half the battle when it comes to performing. Um, really good to hear his thoughts on what it's like to be working as an actor and with directors, and uh, I think you probably agree, has a, a very good wide understanding of production in general. Um, it was a pleasure talking to him, and hopefully he might come back on the podcast and talk to me about all the other things that he does as well. Um, yeah, so I think the next one, I did say that this one was going to be sound. Again, I lied. Uh, I'm still trying to get that sorted. That's going to happen when? I don't know. But the next one will be, and this is a fact because I've already recorded it, will be me talking to uh, Scott Kershaw, who is a, a great photographer and has worked on set with me quite a few times now doing uh, behind the scenes photography and sort of working on set and getting what he can at the same time as filming, which is becoming more and more common uh, place because of budgets. But he talks about that and how he approaches that amongst other things. Uh, the guy can talk 
Uh, so it might be a little longer than the usual podcast, but it's all good. Okay, see you then. Bye-bye. Beyond Film Podcast.